All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, when I when I saw uh, Pastor Brad's advertised series coming up called Turbulence, you know, I, th- I feel like I, I started that series I think in June or, or May, because uh, and Tom knows a little bit. You know, uh, my my wife and I we we've we've decided to, to rearrange some things in our life and to try to pursue this path, uh, pursue what we feel is the Lord's leading, and but it comes with turbulence and. Uh, uh, but uh, things are coming together. We've we've had some real, but we feel some answer to prayer, and we're happy with the way things are shaping up for the next year. So I hope, uh, in the Lord's will, uh, this time next year, I may not be standing here, but at least we can celebrate the completion of this phase and see what's in store for us. Uh, you know, last week I was uh, in the audience, uh, sitting and and listening to the. Uh, <laughs> To the guest speaker, and I realized that I was uh, scheduled to be speaking this week. And I, I have to admit, it wasn't one of my better days. I, I kind of showed up to church feeling more, more human than holy. Right? Is, have you ever, you ever pulled one of those where you show up Sunday morning and you feel more human than holy? Well, I, I had done that, and and I, I wasn't feeling very well. I was a little bit tired. Um, okay, honestly, uh, between us, there was a, okay, a little conflict at home, right? Um, so we were running late as a family, and, and so all these things, right, they make for a kind of a, a less than ideal Sunday morning. And I, I was sitting there, and I realized, why am I the one scheduled to speak next week? You know, I just really wasn't feeling up to the task. And so maybe you felt that way too, not, not that you've been scheduled to speak, but maybe you've shown up and you're, and you're thinking, yeah, you know, I've felt that way. I know, I know what that's like. I've showed up and I try to put on a good face or whatever. Uh, but the fact is we're all human, right? And Because um, uh, sometimes you know, we all get sick, we all get tired, we all uh, run late or whatever. And, and besides all this stuff, sometimes we're just plain grumpy. You know, sometimes we, we just wake up grumpy. And, and, and that's part of being human. These things happen. And so I just want to tell you, it's okay. Okay? It's okay. If you feel this way this morning, it's okay. And I'm glad you're here. And you know what? I'm glad I'm here. Um, I'm glad I'm here because uh, I'm, I'm really pleased with the opportunity to share from God's Word. Um, it's, been, it's brought me a lot of pleasure to think about what I would like to share and I'm, I'm just really delighted to be here. Uh, you know, there's arguably no better place to read about what it means to be a human and relate to God than the Psalms, right? Uh, the Psalms describe perhaps more than any other part of the Bible what it means to be a human uh, relating to God. It, both, both the heights and the depths, right? The ebb and the flow of human life is all experienced in the Psalms. And so if you're wondering uh, what to read, you're not sure what to read in the Bible, you can't go wrong by picking a Psalm. Read a Psalm. Because that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to read a Psalm. In fact, we're going to read Psalm 96. Because one of the benefits of the Psalms is that, that they're experiential. Okay? They're, they describe human experience. And if we read enough Psalms, we, we can usually find one that we really connect with. And, but more than just uh, c- being able to connect with our experience, um, 
And, and even going beyond validating our experience is that a psalm will bring our experience into a, a God-word orientation. A psalm relates our experience um, with a Godward orientation. And so, and so most often when we read things, for example, uh, the, the wonders of, of a baby as it's formed in the womb, right? We read this and we're just amazed at the, at the wonderful creation of an infant in the womb as we read it in Psalm 139. Or there's, there's times where we, we, we do feel close to the Lord, like in Psalm 23, and we say, the Lord is my shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Or even in the low times, if we, if we pass through the valley of the shadow of death, we can still take comfort and know that the Lord is with me. But we don't always feel that way. Sometimes we feel like David in Psalm 51, and, and we're so aware, we're fighting against the sin and the, just the evil in my heart, and, and, and we just think, Oh, God, have mercy on me. You see, all of these experiences and many others are described in the Psalms. But the important thing is that in all of these things, God is at the center. God is at the center because that's where He wants to be. God wants to be at the center of our lives no matter what the experience. And so the Psalms describe how people interact with God through the highs and lows of life. And when we read these experiences, we can share in them. We can share the experience. And then the psalmist brings us into communion with God. And that's what I hope that we can experience this morning. I hope that we can experience communion with God. You know, there's uh, a book that I quote here in your notes uh, called How to Read Your Bible for All It's Worth. And Gordon Fee says this, The Psalms, like no other literature, lift us to a position where we can commune with God. So that's my hope this morning, and as we consider Psalm 96, I hope we leave with a sense of communion with him. So if you haven't already, let's turn to Psalm 96, and I'd like to begin, uh, before reading actually, I'd like to begin by pointing out what I feel is the main point of this psalm. You know, a a psalmist says a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. And, and so it's easy to, to miss the point, right? We don't always relate to the language that's being used. But the, the point of Psalm 96, I think, is easy to find, and it's stated pretty clearly in verse 4. You'll notice it says, For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. As we're going to find out, Everything in this psalm is going, to, is going to revolve around that statement. Great is the Lord and worthy of praise. So before we go any further, uh, I, want us, I want us to be convinced that this is true. Um, <clears throat> sometimes we need to convince ourselves of something as basic as the Lord is great. Great is the Lord 
and most worthy of praise. Do you agree with this statement? That is to say, amen, all right. Is the Lord great and most worthy of praise? I'd like to, to get us warmed up to this thought. I'd like us to think about a little bit about the word praise. What does it mean to praise exactly? We use that word pretty frequently. So I'd like to suggest uh, uh, an idea that comes from a quote that I found by John Piper. Now, I've, I've referenced this as well in your notes. And in, in, in John Piper, Piper fashion, uh, it's, it's a very dense quote which reads this. To praise God means to recognize his great richness, strength, and gracious bounty and to express our gratitude and delight in seeing and experiencing it. Okay, rather dense. If you have a pen or if you have a pencil, I'd like you to circle three words in this quote. Those three words are recognize. Recognize his great richness. I'd like you to circle the word um, express. Express. And then the third word at the end, experiencing. Recognize, express, experiencing. From these three words, I think we can, we can create a very simple summary of what praise is. Because if you think about it, we praise things all the time. Things that we experience, things that we recognize, that we express. So, for example... When was the last time that you expressed your delight in a delicious meal? Right? Probably none of you, if you sit and you have this delicious meal, you don't just uh, wipe your mouth and go watch TV. Right? When you take a taste, something about that meal, you say, wow, this is delicious. Okay? That's praise. Some of you this morning probably had that first cup of coffee and you said, mm, oh, wow. That is good coffee, right? Anything that we experience, anything that we recognize and that, we, that causes us to express our satisfaction, that is praise. And so my suggestion is, uh, a summary for, the, uh, for praise, is that it is the expression of something enjoyed. Praise is the expression of something enjoyed. So now listen, if God is worthy of praise, then he is worthy of the expressions of our enjoyment of him. You see that? If God is most worthy of praise, he is most worthy of our enjoyment. And so I might ask again, is he most worthy of your praise? Do you have something about God that you have enjoyed and would like to express? I hope you do, because I'd like to try something this morning. What I'd like to do is to do what you might call a group choral response. And it goes like this. We're going to say together, Father, I enjoy and you, you can fill in the blank. So if you showed up this morning feeling holy, then you can say, Father, 
I enjoy your presence. Or you might say, Father, I enjoy your word. Perhaps, Father, I enjoy your love. Okay? Now, if you're feeling more human than holy, okay, you can say, Father, I enjoy life. You can say, Father, I enjoy coffee. Right? I mean, the Bible says God has given us all things richly to enjoy. So they're, they're there for our enjoyment. If you're married, you can even say, Father, I enjoy sex. Anything that we've received from God or something about Him that you enjoy, I just want you to say it. Okay? So we're going to say it together. And so we're gonna, I'm going to count to three, and then we'll just kind of say it all together. And, um, and I, I have to pause and just think about what I might want to say. So, okay, all right. Ready? Okay, on three. One, two, three. Father, I enjoy life. Okay, good. Now we're going to do that again. You can say it again if you want, uh, or you could come up with something new. So let's try that again. One, two, three. Father, I enjoy family. Okay? Let's, let's do one more. Um, what else do we enjoy? Okay, one, two, three. Father, I enjoy your word. Okay. Okay, so now what I'd like to do is do, a, do it one more time. We're going to say something that's together that's the same. Okay? And it goes like this. I want us to say, Father... I enjoy you. Okay? Father, I enjoy you. Now, if that's not true of you this morning, you could say, Father, I want to enjoy you. Or, Father, help me to enjoy you. Okay? So you can be honest, but I want us to say it together. Okay? Can we do that? One, two, three. Father, I enjoy you. Let's do that one more time. One, two, three. Father, I enjoy you. Okay. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's most worthy of our enjoyment. So let's read Psalm 96 together. <clears throat> I'll be reading from the NIV. Sing to the Lord. A new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, The Lord reigns. 
The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. So I mentioned the praise as the expression of something we enjoy. And we do it all the time with the things that bring us the most pleasure. But in this psalm, and you may have found them already, there are, there are four ways that the psalmist says we can praise the Lord. They're, they're a little bit spread out, and so I'd like to point them out one by one. It's hard to miss the first one, because it occurs three times in the first two verses. Right? We can praise the Lord by singing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Uh, singing can is a way to give expression of our enjoyment of God. Now, you'll notice it's mentioned first, and it's mentioned three times for emphasis, okay? So I might ask the question, how often do you sing? Now, I, I mean, I really mean this. How often do you really sing? outside of Sunday. Or if I flip the question, I could say, is, is Sunday morning the only time that you sing? You see, I'm not that old. And I haven't been fo- a follower of Christ for very long. But I, I have noticed, I think, during my adult life, a change in, in the way the church sings. I was reading about this on a blog, which mentioned some of the evolution of singing in our culture, not just church culture, but, but our culture as a whole. Um, and the claim of this article is that we have evolved from a music-making culture to a music-consuming culture. Okay, so, for example, rather than sing during activities like Sunday school or even Boy Scouts or um, summer campfires, we now mainly just listen to our favorite music. So I, I'm not trying to make a big deal out of this, but I, I think there's some truth to it. Think, think of it this way. How often, for example, do you sing at home? How often do you sing at home? Now, in my family, we have tried to buck this trend over the last year and a half or so by... Uh, singing, basically singing songs at home. And, in, and, and specifically, what we've tried to do is, during our morning breakfast time with the kids, and we're not totally consistent, okay, but during our morning breakfast time with the kids, we have tried to sing one hymn in its entirety every day for a month. Okay? One hymn in, in its entirety every day for a month. Now, the reason behind this is to help, to not only keep it fresh in our minds, but to help the kids learn songs. Now, I will tell you that the kids rarely approve. Okay, they rarely approve. But, more often than not, they will continue singing the song after breakfast while we clean up. 
So that's something that we've tried. We're not totally consistent. One thing uh, personally that I have done over the years, uh, not necessarily intentionally, I, I just have done this, is I've tried to keep a hymnal uh, nearby accessible for using during my private devotional time. And so sometimes after reading, I might think of a song that will give expression to, these, to those thoughts. Or other times I might just read the hymn by itself and, and just think about what it's saying. And, and this has had a, uh, a real impact uh, on, my, on my own faith and my, my, really my own satisfaction in God. The power of thinking about a good spiritual song. And not only this, is, is that uh, I, don't, I don't have to rely on a worship leader on Sunday morning. Right, as as good a job as as Jonathan and the other guys do, uh, I can be my own worship leader every day of the week. So I, I would encourage you if you if you have a hymnal at home or a songbook, just keep it handy. Take some time and and uh, uh, either sing them or or just read them and think about them. However you choose to use it, singing is a magnificent way to praise God. Singing has a way of renewing our minds and lifting our hearts into communion with God. And this is what the psalmist is encouraging us to do. But more than just singing, the psalmist says that God's greatness deserves to be talked about every day. Which brings us to the second way to praise God, and that is by sharing. By sharing. You'll notice in verse 3 it says, Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. Verse 10, say to the nations, the Lord reigns. You see, the psalmist here, I think, recognizes that there's two kinds of people in the world. There's those who know God and there's those who don't, right? And back then, the nation of Israel were the, were the only people who worshipped the one true God. And so they recognize that there are people who know God and there's people who don't. And those who don't, just they worship idols. They don't worship the one true God. And so he says that the gods of the nations, verse 5, are idols. You know, idols means worthless. They're worthless. But more than that, the psalmist there in verse 5, he's using a little literary device. He's trying to do a little play on words where the word gods and the word idols sound the same. The Hebrew word for gods means or says Elohim. Okay, Elohim. Some of you have probably heard that before. The word for idols means ilinim, ilinim. And so he's saying the Elohim of the nations are ilinim, right? The gods of the nations are idols or worthless, right? So we might say in English, we might say the idols, those idols, they're just idle, right? Ideally, they don't do anything. They don't move. They don't do anything. They're dead. And so that's the idea. You see, idols don't do anything. But the one true God, right, is the living God who created the world, who sustains the world. He's living. And we believe that God is personal. God is personal and he's active in the world today. Not just in a general sense, but in a very specific sense of bringing people to a true knowledge of himself through Jesus Christ. And he uses us. He uses his people to do that. The greatest need of every person is to know the one true God through knowing Jesus Christ. 
And the only way people can come to know Jesus is if someone shares Jesus with them. This is a form of praise. I don't want you to hear a, an obligation here. I want you to hear that this is a form of praise. The challenge is to be so satisfied with Jesus Christ, so satisfied with God, is that you want others to experience your satisfaction. We don't always feel like singing, and we certainly don't always feel like talking to somebody about Jesus. But the challenge is to be so satisfied with Jesus that we want others to share in our enjoyment. And so sharing, we can share with our spouse, we can share with our children, we can share with family members, we can share with our neighbors. And yes, you can share with a stranger too. We can share our satisfaction of God. And this is a form of praise. We can sing. We can share. And the psalmist says we can give. We can give. In verse 7 and 8, the NIV there uses the word ascribe. An alternative word could be give. Give to the Lord, O families of nations. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due His Name. Now, the scope of this exhortation is similar to that of sharing. You see, it says, it's calling upon the families of the nations. Hey, nations, give to the Lord glory. You see, um, not only is His greatness to be shared among those who don't know Him, but there's an invitation to participate with the believing community. The nations are exhorted to give to the one true God the glory due His name. The believing community wants others to share in the blessings of knowing and serving the one true God. So as followers of Jesus, we not only want people to know about Jesus, but we want them to know Him personally and to come to a, into a saving relationship with Him by faith. We want those who are far from God to see and to hear how great God is and to come and to experience it themselves so that they may join us in giving to the Lord glory and honor and praise. And so this naturally flows right into the next verse. Verse 9, it says, Worship. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Worship is the fourth way to praise God. And here I would simply suggest that true worship is rooted in in the worth of God Himself. True worship is rooted in the worth of God Himself. When people recognize and experience the goodness of God and express their satisfaction through words and actions, then worship is taking place. And it's rooted in the worth of God Himself. So now it feels like that the psalmist has brought us to this mountaintop to be so satisfied with God as to sing 
and to share and to give him the praise and worship that he deserves. But he's not done. He's not done. There's a second point that he wants to make. And that is, and it's summarized in verse 13, that God is going to come to judge the world in righteousness and truth. Now you think, what judgment? What does judgment have to do with God's greatness? So let's pause here and just think about this. Okay, we've heard that God is great and worthy of praise. Okay, and we express our praise through singing, through sharing and giving and worship. But the scope of the praise reaches to the whole world. Remember, there are two kinds of people. Those who know God and those who don't. And those who know God want those who don't know God to know God. Right? But why is that such a pressing issue? Well, not only is God good, right? But we know this world's broken. There's something wrong with the world. There's something wrong with me. And there's something wrong with everybody. And that wrong is going to be dealt with someday. And so, while we rejoice in God, and we rejoice that our sins have been forgiven, and that we've been given new life in Jesus Christ, we know that God is is going to judge the world according to His perfect standard. He's not going to leave it as it is. He's going to come and set things right. And specifically, we're told in Acts chapter 17, that it's through Jesus Christ Himself that judgment will come. Jesus Christ is going to come and judge the world in righteousness. The psalmist is looking forward to this time, and it's something that we can look forward to. Because it's a time when all the evils and all the brokenness of the world will finally come to justice and everything will be set right. And you know, not only do we look forward to this, but creation itself looks forward to it. See, you'll notice he, he, he says in verses 11 and 12, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees, now notice that, then all the trees will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord. Why? For He comes. He comes to judge the world. Well, why, why would trees and heavens and everything sing? Well, Romans chapter 8 tells us that this world is so broken that nature itself is in bondage to decay. If you have any trees on your, in your yard or even grass, what happens if you don't water it? it? It just decays, it dies. And so all of this decay is one of the consequences of our broken world, one of the consequences of sin. And, and creation, it says, it groans. It groans under this. And they're waiting for the time when they will be liberated. 
Creation is going to be liberated from the bondage of decay. And so the trees and creation are going to rejoice. They're, they're going to rejoice when, when things are set right. But folks, it's not the same with people. Because people own a responsibility for the sin and the brokenness of this world. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can be freed from this guilt. But not everybody believes this. And so we know that those who know God, those who have experienced His salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we can look forward to this time of judgment because Jesus has already suffered in our place. The the sin issue has already been taken care of. But for those who obstinately reject God, they continue to resist and refuse God's gracious gift of salvation. A, A totally different outcome awaits you see, the, the solemn truth, and it is true, okay, the solemn truth is that the only alternative for people who reject God is eternal punishment. Eternal punishment in light of sin is right, it is fair. And it is just. But, but God's grace is greater than sin. And so, in kindness and love, God has made a way of salvation. He's made a way to have our sins forgiven. And to have our relationship with Him restored. And all He asks is that we trust in Jesus Christ as the forgiver of our sins. And the leader of our life. The Lord is great and most worthy of praise. And I hope that you are satisfied with Him today. I hope that you are enjoying God and that you've been encouraged to enjoy Him more fully. Sometimes we have to work at it. But He's worth it. He's he's worth singing about. He is worth talking about and sharing with others. God deserves our offerings of praise and adoration. There's one of our family favorite songs that we sing at home from time to time. It has a chorus that goes like this. And you may be familiar with it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth Hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. O come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. Amen. Why don't you uh, listen as I read this psalm one more time and soak in the things that Josh said. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation. 
day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name and bring an, uh, bring an offering into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. So let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness.